0: Hey y'all, welcome to the Zytecast Season 3. I'm so thrilled that you are with us, that you're with me right now. Um, It's a really exciting time. First of all, I'm very excited about the new set. So if you've never uh, dialed into the Zytecast before, a lot of this is new to me. Um, This is a very personal space for me. Thank you, Nicole, for your creative genius here. I'm in the middle of things and people that inspire me really deeply and um, want to invite you into this space whoever you are, wherever you come from, wants you to know, first and foremost, that all of you is welcome in this space, which is really largely what the Zeitcast is all about. The premise from the beginning is that this was going to be a show about spirituality slash theology and dot, dot, dot. So that could be pop culture, uh, movies, film, music, uh, could be bourbon, could be uh, really anything that Moving me, anything that's moving you. And especially with the new season, I really wanted to put the emphasis on the and because I think it's exactly at those intersections where a lot of us um, don't always know how to bring our full selves. So, in the spirit of that, I do want to give you a sense of this space that um, is very near and dear to me. I don't mess up anything, but if you can see, uh, so I'm surrounded by favorite books here a lot of Frederick Bietner, some Stephen King, Martin Luther King Jr., of course, Marilyn Robinson. Uh, Aubrey Hendricks Oh, the copy of Where the Sidewalks Ends that my parents gave me In 1985 when I was Seven years old So um, I'm around some of my favorite Things, my little uh, Icon to St. Frederick Beekner. my friend Kathleen Falsani Gave me that for my birthday a few years ago And it's really special to me So uh, thanks for sharing in this space With me. So I told you that the Zytecast has always been about the and, and the and is where I want to lean in a little bit more. Um, This is, though, the Zytecast barrel proof. So the idea really is that all the conversations that we have here are going to be uncut, unfiltered, a little bit higher proof, um, hopefully a little lighter on its feet. Uh, We're going to have a good time, really going to have fun, and we're going to talk about a little bit of everything because I do think everything is spiritual and um, we want to talk about some of these intersections where I think life just really happens. It is funny though, um, since the theme this season is the Zeitcast Barrel Proof, and I am a person who loves who loves good bourbon. Um, Whiskey, by the way, literally means the water of life. Think about my friend Padraig Otuma and his beautiful book, In the Shelter, talks about how Jesus would have been born in Ireland Then Eucharist instead of uh, bread and wine. Uh, Perhaps would have been... Uh, whiskey and soda bread, and I've, uh, that's really hung with me because I do think everything about bourbon is uh, has to do with slowing down a lot. If you drink bourbon fast and you're doing it wrong, the way I like to say it, parties are fast. Bourbon is slow. Uh, it's about taking your time. It's about settling in. It's about paying attention to texture and space and most of all the people that you're with. Uh, my best friend, Joel, uh, many of you from the Sidecast know Joel's wonderful work here. When Joel and I even have a chance to really talk on the phone at length, always the first question for us is, what's in your glass, brother? And that's exactly how we ask it. What's in your glass, brother? That's where we begin. So I'm going to begin there as well. If you're not a bourbon drinker, you're that's certainly welcome here too. But if you do have something that uh, you want a good pour of, uh, I this this evening am going to be drinking some stellum. Uh, Stellum is made by Barrel Spirits. Uh, Barrel makes some beautiful whiskeys right now. I've got the Barrel Dovetail right here. A lot of really interesting experiments in finished whiskey. So this is finished in rum port, and done Cabernet barrels. One of my favorite noses, by the way, on a whiskey right now is this uh, Dovetail. But the Barrel products tend to run a little bit more in the $90 to $100 kind of range. And one of my favorite things is always helping people find uh, a bourbon that's, you know, it fits their price point. Uh, one that I feel like I've never steered anybody wrong has been the Stellum. So Barrel started making Stellum to be a more accessible, kind of a little more of, a, of an entry level. So Stellum runs maybe $50, $55, uh, make a beautiful bourbon as well as a rye. There's some wonderful uh, store picks as well, which we'll get into. But the basic Stellum, to me, this is just, this is all the primary colors of bourbon right here. Got a lot of brown sugar. Uh, Caramel I've found that Regardless of your level Of whiskey experience um, People tend to really Like this bottle So that's one you may Want to pick up Um, I'm going to be Drinking today From the uh, Barrel Ra Black Uh, The Black Series Is a little bit More upscale version Of their bourbon And their Ra That I'm really Enjoying right now And part of the Comedy Part of the irony Of what's uh, Happening right now And even trying to do This in this moment So a little under Two weeks ago Uh, I tested positive for COVID, and I'll be honest with you all, um, it kind of knocked me on my ass more than I anticipated, uh, and for longer than I anticipated, uh, being fully vaccinated and all the things. So, had a bit of a minute minute with COVID, and unfortunately, um, I was also one of the folks, and I want to say that in the right spirit, because, hey, I'm so grateful to not have any of the respiratory stuff. I know so many people are dealing with really scary things and have lost loved ones to uh, COVID. I haven't had any of that. And don't take that for granted. Don't take it lightly. But the thing that is just a little bit funny is that I completely lost my sense of taste whatsoever, like no taste at all. So... I was on an experiment for the last couple weeks of trying to essentially carpet bomb my senses and just see what would kind of wake up my taste buds, which I don't think is a scientific technique of any sort, Uh, but trying, you know, it'd be like the spiciest Asian thing I could try, the spiciest Mexican thing I think of, like whatever would be uh, normally big and full of color on my palate. None of it worked. Everything tasted vaguely like chicken and also nothing at all. Uh, so I just think it's funny to be starting the Zeitcast Sparrow Proof and to hit a moment where all of a sudden I can't tell the difference between the devil's butthole and a flower. <laughs> that's, that's basically been the case. Just the last couple days, I've started getting a little bit of taste back. And I'm finding I'm enjoying rye's a little bit more. By the way, uh, my friends all make fun of me. They like to get me to say rye. Uh, they like to hear me say, they, like, they just want to hear me say it over and over again, like I'm a sideshow. Hey, say rye for us. And I, I, so I, I know I don't say it the way that you find people say it out there who are fancy. Apparently you're supposed to say rye. Uh, I really enjoy the rice. Would you like to try one of the rye whiskeys? See, even saying it that way just feels unbelievably dorky to me. Would you like a rye? I don't even know how to do that. So I say, I say it the way I feel like in the South, the way it's meant to be said rye, I enjoy some rye not rye, rye so, the Stella M- rye black in particular, all of a sudden I start sounding like Delta Burke from Designing Women this is very <laughs> amusing at least to me um, is uh, really beautiful it uh, costs a few dollars more than the regular rye, but oh I think it's, uh, I think it's really good, and the uh, really the taste experience hello Stella, that's my 10 pound Havanese that you're hearing right now Uh, Because this is real life, y'all So, the uh, kind of the taste and thought experiment tonight will be Can I taste or smell anything at all? And we're getting into more conversation I'm not getting as much on the nose as I usually do from this bottle But it does smell good And the fact that um, up front it does not smell like ass Is a general improvement But let's go in for a bit of a taste This, y'all, this really is just a, uh, it's a gorgeous raw. There is definitely, you can taste there's a little bit more age on this than the other barrel ryes. um The spice is just right. Really nuanced, really complex. That is a beautiful raw. Even the biggest of flavors right now kind of bring me to medium, like a set point of like, oh, I can taste. And I can taste this, which is a win. Uh, so we'll start with that brilliant uh, tasting note of... Not like ass, and uh, really, this is this is really delicious. So whatever's in your glass, I hope you're enjoying right now. Um, I thought, by way of premise today, I would share just a little bit about. I mean, it's such a strange time, and I think it's been a strange time for all of us. As I've been on a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast, doing a lot of other things. I've been writing; got a new project coming out. I'm really excited about, which I'll share more about in just the next in, in the coming days here. But I think, like all of us, um, I've really been dealing with all these overtures of um, this new world that we're navigating. I feel like already, uh, well, we know that our technology is rewiring our brains. And speaking of experiments, we're living in a bit of a science experiment in which there are no long-term subjects. So already, um, there's so much about ourselves that are shifting that I don't think we entirely understand, uh, even chemically, the way that we become dependent on our technology and all that. But then you combine that with isolation and alienation, being more cut off from each other in a world in which I think a lot of us struggle to know how to have face-to-face connection anyway. And I think like some, some really unique things are stirred up. Maybe whatever is in here is what gets stirred up. Uh, I don't know about you, but I know for me, um, maybe the, and I'm not just trying to put a happy face on this, but I think maybe one of the gifts of this season for me is that when you are forced to when you're confronted with the things that are really in you, uh, and everything has space and room to come out. So you're seeing all these things about yourself and your relationships that you wouldn't have otherwise noticed, or maybe given attention to. I know one of the big discoveries for me of this season has been, which for those of you know, me probably not seem like much of a discovery at all is that I am wildly ragingly ADHD. And I feel like right now, a lot of people talk about ADHD. Um, culturally, the moment that we're in, I think, means almost everybody has some kind of symptoms of something like ADHD, some of that I think being technology. But really, I'm, I'm so textbook, and it explains so much of my life. It explains the, um, the ability to hyper-focus and the hyper-intense focus that I have in some seasons with some things, and also then the inattention Um, the ways that I struggle with a certain kind of paralysis around communication, emails, text messages, whatever, like very easily overwhelmed, like all these things about my brain that I think now are super fundamental to who I am and where I am and how I approach the world. I wasn't aware of it all, but I think, you know, you just have this much time and you wander into stuff. And I really want to, especially in this new season of the Zeitcast, to have a lot of space to wander into some things that are good. Uh, While there is that kind of self-discovery and there's reflection and um, all those things that are really important that have to do with slowing down, I have found, and I think this has probably been true for a lot of us, um, we've had to find whatever it is that kind of gets you through the night, whatever keeps your own spirits in the dark. I'm surrounded by Frederick Buechner, and I think about his great phrase about preaching there, that preaching is like whistling in the dark. Sometimes you do it to keep your own spirits up. Uh, We do have to find ways to keep our own spirits up. We have to find stories that are bigger than our own sense of story, a larger sense of scale and scope, stuff we can kind of get lost in, art that we can get lost in something that's beautiful, something that makes us still want to be here. And I think within reason, as long as it's not utterly unhealthy and addictive, um, anything that you get lost in that feels larger, anything that's beautiful, hey, um, that's really, really good. And I think there's something really important actually about being able to share those things, to be able to share the things that actually bring us joy one of the things that I've thought a lot about in these last couple years and even doing some of the writing I'm doing, um, I feel like a lot of us in terms of my own community found each other because we had a similar shape of trauma. Um, We knew what it was to hurt in the same way. We knew what it was to feel broken in the same places. And so initially there's a bond that comes out of that, that I think is really important. And I would never want to minimize that because I think out of trauma, out of pain that is shared there's something really sacred and holy and wonderful that happens. Uh, in some ways, how can we bond with anybody at all? How can there be any connection that's deep and authentic and sustained unless there's shared pain? Because uh, think ultimately, the things that unite us are not so much um, our shared victories, but our shared failures, our shared losses. These are the, the really human things that break us open, uh, kind of break us up and oftentimes cause us to find each other. That's important. That's good. But I've also been struggling with this tension that I think the further that we go experiencing pain, experiencing trauma, we find that pain isn't enough to bring us together either that actually in order for us to experience any kind of community, that it can't just be about shared pain. It can't just be about a shared sense of loss. There has to be shared joy. Um, shared joy is so foundational to any real thoroughgoing sense of community, to any sense of self, really. Now, uh, uh, what's bringing you life right now? Um, that was a question I remember from one of Barbara Brown Taylor's books years ago that's lingered with me, where she talked about how she had a friend in her life who would always, always ask her, what's saving your life right now? And I love that question so much. What's saving your life right now? Um, From week to week for me, that answer changes. Um, From day to day, that answer changes. Some of that may be because I'm, in fact, wildly ADHD, and that's okay. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, um, I think that that's the right question. What's saving your life right now? And I realized that for the Zeitcast, in particular, I wanted this to become more about that, the things that are keeping me alive today. Uh, the songs that I'm singing to keep my own spirits up, uh, where I'm finding joy, where I'm finding life, uh, for some of us who've experienced a lot of disillusionment and disenchantment, where is their life on the other side? Who's inspiring us? Um, who's moving us? What is the reason? However small, wh- however slight, whatever curiosity, even that it is, whatever it is that piques your interest enough to get out of bed in the morning. Hey, that stuff really matters. What brings you joy? Um, a couple years ago, and, uh, I hope I'm not boring any of my friends here because, but Hey, this is a pretty big story in my life. Some of you know that, uh, I'm a massive fan of U2. So the Irish rock band, U2, I mean, and when I say fan, even there's, there's no way to say it that doesn't feel understated and like I'm being too calm. Cause the fact of the matter is y'all, I've been to 30 U2 shows as an adult, which is, um, probably qualifies as some sort of addiction. But 30 U2 shows, uh, seen them in different states, different countries, uh, Dublin, Ireland, maybe seven or eight times, I think now, where they're from, <laughs> which is a pretty magical experience. And so I always had designs on um, this this need this drivenness to, to meet Bono, to meet somebody in the band. I feel like a lot of fans have these cool stories about meeting a band member and it just never happened for me all. Like I would try to, no matter what I tried to do, if that's uh, be outside the hotel, uh, the arena for a sound check or after the show or like whatever, uh, bar they frequent, whatever it might be. I, I tried all the things just short of cooking anybody's pet rabbit or something that's out of Stephen King's misery like I tried it to meet a band member, and nothing ever happened for me. Until in 2017, U2 was touring the Joshua Tree again, 30 years later, revisiting these magnificent songs. And I think I went to five shows on that tour, by the way. Uh, but I got an invitation. Um, I love Bono's nonprofit. He has this uh, nonprofit that just does a beautiful work. A lot of stuff around poverty and AIDS in Africa, global relief. Uh, the one campaign has been absolutely crucial. Maybe, you know what? That's worth taking a minute to linger on actually, because I think as much as it's easy to make fun of celebrity causes, um, maybe even celebrity bourbons. Bob Dylan has an excellent line called Heaven Story that we'll talk about one day. Uh, it's got a celebrity uh, connected to it. Like You kind of roll your eyes, like whatever. But seriously, um, a lot of Bono's work with the One Campaign is the reason that in the United States, we have a fund called PEPFAR, and through that... Uh, 18.5 men, women, and children that have AIDS uh, basically at this point have antibiotics and they're alive precisely because this initiative exists that really makes a big difference in the world and I've been endlessly moved by the work of the One Campaign so volunteered time and energy and uh, did some stuff on the faith side where I come from uh, that felt like meaningful work to me it was not by the way aspirational to try to meet Bono through that like I really do believe in the work and believe in the work here in Oklahoma and the wasteland that we're in and all of that Uh, another story for another time about uh, the, the things we try to do in our cultural landscape but so 2017, on this tour, there, they, there was a faith leaders dinner where um, some of us were invited to uh, before the show. There's like 30 of us, I think. Michael W. Smith, who some of you might know, pop singer, uh, more of a contemporary Christian music artist. If it tells you anything about where I come from, this will mean something to some of you. The first sort of arena rock quotation marks, show I ever went to was Michael W. Smith on the I'll Lead You Home Tour with Jars of Clay opening up right when Jars of Clay uh, came out. And so I get to this dinner, again, like 30 of us. Michael W. Smith is there. Dan Hasseltine, who's the lead singer of Jars of Clay, is there. And y'all, I was like, it's like every shade of me Every version of me from every stage of my life is geeking out. I'm like, Dan Hazeltine and Michael L. Smith. Like, this is amazing. I'm, and it was very overstimulated. But it was a, a great little dinner that we had. And I know that there was at least, like, rumor, there was conversation that some of us might be able to meet Bono. And, of course, my hopes were up, but I'm trying to not to get my hopes too up, all the things well, finally, a little bit after the dinner's over, uh, they, uh, a handful of us uh, got to go backstage. And I had my friend Steven with me, who was going to be speaking in the area. It's one of my best friends. And I'll never forget that long walk to go backstage in that football stadium. Uh, because I was experiencing absolutely everything. I mean, Bono is my hero in so many ways and especially when you listen to a lot of music on headphones it's a really intimate way of uh, of experiencing any art I think it's like whispering in your ears and so I have all these stories, significant stories that I've written about and talked about everywhere of U2 songs and how they kind of animated me and made me feel seen and known in ways that I would not otherwise feel seen and known. And so, you know, we're walking, we're going backstage and I'm just geeking out. And it's frightening when I geek out because I'm six foot five and I'm very large. And when I'm also giddy, uh, this is a <laughs> strange and frightening proposition. So I remember asking Stephen, I was like, man, I I know I'm not going to be composed, but I'm trying to figure out how to even approach this time because I don't want to make just a complete fool of myself. And yet I don't want to like try to play it too cool because I'm not cool. And I just remember Stephen said what I thought was the wisest thing. He said, you know what, Jonathan, like we both know in our own small way uh, from the work that we do, what it means when someone tells us that something about uh, our words have has moved them in some way or inspired them in some way. We know what that means. And, you know, hey, the fact of the matter is you, you've been moved, you've been inspired. Like, why would you try to hide that? Why would you conceal that? Why not just be who you really are and act kind of like how you feel? And um, I really took that to heart. Um, we get back to the little green room, pretty understated actually, and uh, you know, so we're back there. I remember specifically my back was against the door. I think I was a little bit afraid of facing the front door and watching and becoming too much of a spectacle. But it was so wild, y'all, because as I'm there talking to my couple friends, Mike, who works at the time, worked at the one campaign, my friend Mike Hogan, Mike and Steven, uh, Michael Smith, like whatever. I remember there was this sense that when Bono walked in the room, it was like I felt it. It's like I felt all five feet, six inches, rock and roll genius in platform shoes walk in that room. And I remember because I'm like there facing the door, and I remember being like, he's here, isn't he? (laughs) It was like this whole, you know, (laughs) Bono's in the room. So I'm. uh, it's almost kind of a Wayne's world, you know, we're not worthy type thing, trying to compose myself. Uh, Bono very graciously talked to everybody in the room before he got to our little group that was there talking. And, of course, I'm trying to rehearse, like figure out what I'm going to say. That was soft for me because my friend Mike actually points out to him, uh, I have two tattoos on my body. And there are deeper stories behind this that are spiritual, that have deep meaning, kind of draw from deep wells of experience in my life. But ostensibly, top level, there are youtube 2 related tattoos. I have the heart in a suitcase right here, if you can see that, which is connected to YouTube's All That You Can't Leave Behind and then I have the uh, little zoo baby right here. It's kind of my songs of innocence and experience. I uh, got this when I was in Dublin, uh, where I saw you two four times a week. <laughs> you can already see. I mean, I'm 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 feeling red and geeky talking to you right now. So I remember specifically in that moment, I'm wearing a T-shirt, and my friend Mike like points out. My tattoo immediately Which threw off my whole strategy And so I went straight into this Whole like self-deprecating little spiel Of like hey Bono You know like I know that being here Backstage this is the one place where Being the kind of fan that has A tattoo actually is not cool You know like the whole thing of you're not really supposed To wear uh, a t-shirt Of your favorite band to their show Well when you have tattoos on you Like I, I was actually hoping This would not be noticed or brought up So I'm doing my kind of self-deprecating but gushing, giddy thing. And Bono, I don't have a great Irish accent, so I'm not able to do this as well as I'd like. But the cadence, though, I will never forget. Bono, in this very cool, nice way, like gently touches my arm. And he says, no, Jonathan, like, you never need to apologize for being a fan. I'm still a fan of people whose words and music inspire me. That's really the posture you want to go through your whole life as, says a fan. It's good to be a fan. It's pause, just like that. It's good to be a fan. <sighs> and I thought it was so genius because it lowered the temperature in the room, allowed me to be able to breathe. It was kind. It's a way of kind of accepting my giddiness as some sort of weird, <laughs> the weird compliment that it is. Uh, but also just, oh, yeah, like to hear that. It's good to be a fan. And ever since that experience, which, by the way, 10 minutes later, me and Steven are down there in the pit uh, with some of these other folks, with Michael w. Smith at Den House. So again, I'm geeking out on every level. Bono walks on stage to Larry Mullen's drums on Sunday, Bloody Sunday, and I'm just lost in the sea of, I mean, I'm just an eight-year-old child. It was Unbelievable. But ever since that night, um, beyond the euphoria of getting to meet one of my heroes, and that's one of the things that makes me feel just really lucky in general, is I've got to meet a lot of people who are heroes, a lot of people that I actually live my life with alongside people in our table community, people like Malika, people like Cece, who comes from here, people, uh, Nicole, first and foremost, like, I'm, I'm such a, I am such a fan, and I've really tried to cultivate this thing since almost more as a practice that instead of being embarrassed about being a fan, no, it's good to be a fan. This actually is the posture that I want to live my life from. Uh, art and music does inspire me endlessly. Um, and so even when I'm doing something like this, getting the right headspace is so important. I was playing Bob Dylan's last record. He recorded 80. And the first song on that record, if you've heard it, is I contain multitudes, and I wanted to hear that track because the lyrics to that song put me in precisely the headspace that I wanted to be here. Um, I contain multitudes. You contain multitudes. We all do. And these worlds that can feel diverse and unconnected and disconnected, like, no, we, we do contain these big spaces in ourselves, and I wanted to feel something about that before I talked about any of these things. It's good to be a fan. It's good to be a fan of art and music that inspires you. One of my other um, very dear friends, Dr. Chris Green, wrote a book recently called All Things Beautiful, and Aesthetic Christology. And while I've been um, sick these last couple of weeks, this book has just felt like manna. It's been so rich and so good for my soul. Um, yeah, I try to be really intentional to not only surround myself, but then to press in to the things that really inspire me and move me. And I hope that a lot of what we can do as we build this new season of the Zeitgeist uh, together, and I do see it that way. I want this to more than ever be an interactive experience. I hope that we can share our joys. I hope that you can share the things that are bringing you life right now. Uh, I want to know those things. And that great question again, that brilliant question of Barbara Taylor's, what's saving your life right now? I want to know, and I want to talk to you. By the things that are saving my life today, um, which is probably means that it's going to be pretty diverse to the point of maybe being maddening. Uh, that will mean that on some days we're, we'll talk about TV shows because this is truly the golden age of TV. And so I wouldn't know how to do something like this right now and not talk about succession, and not talk about Station Eleven, not talk about something really fun and energizing in that way, uh, like Yellow Jackets. Um, that means some days I may well be talking about the NBA and um, the Lakers experiment of a season. Uh, whatever it is that's moving me, whatever it is to have questions about, if it keeps me going and if it gets me out, out of bed and um, it pulls on something in me, I'm just going to assume that hopefully it pulls on uh, something in you. And I hope that as we talk about these things that... We can share a glass together. So um, Stellum, once again, is highly recommended and unfortunately not a paid advertiser for this episode. But um, I hope you'll feel that sense of permission and that we can kind of uh, we can be fans together. We can explore the things that are bringing us joy, things we have deep questions about, too. I do want to encourage you that um, if any of this connects with you in any way, please Uh, Hit that like, comment, subscribe uh, button. That certainly means the world to us. Uh, The podcast is going to be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Uh, we're also going to keep coming to you on YouTube a couple times a week. I'm certainly going to be bringing to you some of the people whose art and music and work uh, whose lives inspire me, so that's going to be fun. Hopefully over some bourbon, uh, kind of like there's this, the YouTube show, you know, where everybody eats the progressively hotter wings, so that'll be fun to do a little flight where we have progressively hotter bourbons, <laughs> uh, so that should be a good time, uh, but I want us to be able to geek out together. I want us to be able to share our loves and our joys in a way that's uninhibited, and a that really gets into some stuff that's Tugging on our souls. So uh, please know that uh, Patreon is going to be much more active. So any way that you can support us that way, uh, certainly appreciate and we'll look forward to getting to engage with uh, some of y'all on kind of a different level there. But hey, I just appreciate you hanging around and we'll look forward to uh, here in the next week talking more, exploring more of the things that are bringing us joy right now. Uh, Some of these deep soulish discoveries that we have, too, that are born out of the isolation and alienation. We want it to be a safe space where you can bring all of you to the table, which is kind of the great theme of my life at this point, that I do believe that there is a table to which all of us is welcome, and we are able to bring our whole selves I hope that something about this little digital space in particular can be that kind of space for you where you can breathe and where you can laugh and where we can uh, where we can be together. So thanks so much for sharing this time on uh, the first episode of season three of the Zeitcast. Don't forget. It's good to be a fan. Thanks for geeking out with me.